0: Hello and welcome to The Amplifier Podcast, the show where the best in business discuss how you can grow your business best. I'm Mike McPherson, I produce this show, and today I will be speaking with our regular host Don Cooper once again about his newest book and collaboration with Dean Jackson, Breakthrough DNA, The Industrial Code. In this episode, Don will walk us through the second half of the book and the final four out of eight profit activators and how they can greatly increase your potential business both in the short and in the long term by utilizing these profit activating steps. So if you haven't already heard the first half of this conversation, I must urge you to go and listen now before coming back to this one, and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Though once you're done with that, you can always visit us at theindustrialcode.com to download your free copy of the book. But with all that said, let's get into this episode. And now, after... They've self-identified after you've educated and motivated. You've had the meeting; all of that has worked flawlessly. But now it's time to actually execute on the work. Profit activator number five comes in to deliver a dream come true experience, designed from your client's perspective. Um, and I think that the first half of that is probably obvious for most people. Uh, of course, you want to provide the uh, a dream come true experience. You want for the customer to be happy so that they so that they return. It's that second piece. It is designed from your client's perspective uh, that I'd like to, to focus a little bit more on. Can you tell us about Profit Activator number five and what exactly that means?
1: Yeah, well, if, if, if we as a business have done our job in asking questions in Profit Activator number four to really understand what the customer needs solved. And I, I talk about outcomes based focuses, right? So in the value pyramid is product is value number one. Value number two, is the experience value number three is the outcome in order to give your customer a dream come true experience from their perspective then you need to understand their perspective what i call their total solution image it isn't about i need a test plug it's i need a test plug to to do these 17 tests that are at this pressure my concerns are calibration and documentation and i want to be able to Make sure that we get those tests done in this four-hour window. So we've got an hour to do that test. So the plug's got to work right. i have got to have the right procedures, the right documentation. And so that may seem obvious to some people. Maybe, maybe not. Some people are just product-focused. But your customer isn't buying a product. Your customer is buying what the product can do for them in terms of a result. And so we need to deliver a result. And so if you're going to deliver a result, it's not from your perspective. It's not, it's not, you know, if you're doing a project, it's not 12 tasks. And, and, and in, in the, in the industrial space in the construction space, it's not just one customer. We, we have complex buying customer organizations where some people are running the project or or using the products Some people are involved in selecting it from a safety standpoint or from an engineering point of view or quality and documentation and contracts. Every one of those people have a unique total solution image from their perspective. Someone in project controls doesn't care so much about how the hot tap machine works. They want good reporting. They want cost reporting and safety reporting and progress reporting and solid documentation. It's the people in the field who care about it working well. Now I'm not saying that the documentation people don't care if it worked, but their focus, their dream come true experience is how do we make their job as easy as possible from their perspective. And so when, when you understand all the stakeholders involved and you understand what they care about then when you are executing your project, when you're delivering your services, you don't just do the tasks, you give them an experience that makes the tasks seem effortless, makes their job relative to how they interact with you effortless. Now, it's anticipating what are the things that are most important. Someone in documentation, they care about the documents, the procedures, the ITPs, the certifications, they don't want to have anything missing that's going to create nonconformance. Someone who is involved in execution wants to get the work done on schedule, on time, without safety incidents. Someone who is in engineering wants to make sure that they have the right signed off packages and that it's designed to the right codes and that you've, you've got it stamped and registered with the right authorities. Every stakeholder with your clients has an important but slightly different solution image from their perspective. Now, our jobs is to give a total solution image for all of those stakeholders so they are all having a great experience. And we have delivered on, and this is really important. This is why the breakthrough DNA can be so powerful, because remember, from right from the before unit, right through the after unit, it's simply one customer's journey, one customer journey. It might be multiple stakeholders and how you attracted them, how you educated and nurtured them, how you gave them an offer that was easy to work with. That needs to carry forward into, into that dream come true. Wow. Experience from their perspective, if, if, if your marketing is out of sync with your sales team and your operations team is out of sync with what your marketing and sales team are promising and telling the world, it's not going to be a dream come true experience because everything that your customer experienced before the work started sets an expectation of what's going to happen when you perform. And it needs to be in congruency. It needs to be in alignment. So your marketing... That attracts and nurt, educates and nurtures your customers needs to be continued on with your sales team who are making them offers that are easy to take action on your operations team when they go into the Doring unit need to give them that dream come true experience that they've been, they've been, they've been expecting for many, many months, because the relationship didn't start when the PO was issued, the relationship started when they decided to start interacting with your messaging the minute that they identify themselves. So super important that that dream come true experience is marketing, sales, and delivery alignment, consistency and congruency is so important. You can't market one product and then sell it a different way and then deliver something totally different and expect that your customer is going to have a dream come true experience or be happy with you. So that alignment is super important and understanding that each stakeholder has a different total solution image than another stakeholder who cares about a different aspect of the solution.
0: Yeah, I I believe that before you've uh, described it as having uh, having, having one journey from one journey uh, yeah. yeah from when they first find you all the way to once uh, through sales through marketing through sales um and to after the job is actually uh
1: completed and I, mean, and I mean you know this might make sense but this is rare right the marketing message i mean you hear this in companies all the time where the sales team goes i don't know what marketing is telling the world yeah and then then you hear from operations people i don't know what that sales team sold you sir and, and they're all out of alignment. Well, like you're all battling about who got stuff wrong. Well, like you all got it wrong. If, if operations is out of alignment with sales or sales is out of alignment with operations or either of them are out of alignment with marketing, then they've all got it wrong because there should only be one journey for your client because the success starts when they identify themselves. And the success is only really true is because they're not—they're either now or not now customers. If they were attracted because you said you could solve something, you educated and nurtured them, and really told them how and why and what was the best choices. You made it easy for them to buy, and then you deliver exactly. They already expect how this is going to happen when by the time that you show up to deliver they already have a solution image in their head because for many many months they have been told exactly how we do business and so it has to be congruent
0: yeah absolutely uh, any sort of disjointment in there can cause uh, um it may not be surface level serious problems but in in the mind of the client they likely uh won't be coming back to you if if there's any yeah. uh
1: i mean the The total value of any client in most businesses is not the first sale. It's all of the relationship over the lifetime of that relationship. Now, you know, is that relationship, depending on your business, uh, is that a 20-year relationship? Is that a five-year relationship? I mean, you know, if if you run a hair salon, um, then people need their haircut their whole life, right? Um, If you're a car dealership, you know, uh, you may sell them a car today and they may not buy one for four years, but you damn well want them to come back and buy another one from you in four years. And you want them to trade that vehicle in and so that you can buy the trade in and sell them a new one and maybe, you know, uh, be their service provider for their oil changes. If if you can, you know, you want a relationship with your clients that is a lifetime whatever that lifetime is, um, you know, in, in, in our businesses, you know, in either our innovator or in our amplifier business, my goal is to only work with lifelong clients, that we simply have these great partnerships um, where we work with them forever, um, as long as we're helpful, as long as we're being, we're delivering, we're, we're bringing new value, we're consistent between our marketing our sales and our delivery of what we promise and uh and that you know 10 years from now 20 years from now they are still simply thinking of us because we are consistently giving value if you don't give value to a customer then you're of no value
0: yeah and that's the biggest thing uh it's it's i mean it's it's massive value on both sides um particularly for the client, because it eliminates it can eliminate a lot of time and a lot of stress on their side. It's uh, even going to the example you said about uh, uh, buying a car every few years or something like that. People spend months and months, some, sometimes upwards of a year looking for the right vehicle, the right place to get it from talking to t- like dozens of people between them. If you just already know the people that you're going to, That's so simple. And that, that same principle can be, can easily be applied to pretty much any business.
1: Absolutely. I mean, um, it's funny that, you know, we talk about vehicles. I, um, I'm, I, I, my, my personal vehicle, uh, my truck is four and a half years old and I'm starting to think about uh, trading in and getting a new one. And I realized that um, um, I, I drive Fords, right. Um, And, you know, I'm not a brand guy. Uh, I, I, buy Fords because somewhere 20 years ago I had a Ford and I figured out where all the buttons were. And, um, and now both my wife and I drive Fords because I want, I, when I'm driving my truck or when I'm driving her, her, uh, SUV, all the buttons are in the same place. I know how everything operates. I don't need to have to relearn how to, how to operate all the, all the creature comforts in the vehicle. Now, I'm not. I'm not one that cares about the brand. I, I'm simply familiar with it. But what, what I find interesting is that there's there's no one at Ford or a local Ford dealership who educates and nurtures me or stays in contact in any way or form. Um, and so I could easily, uh, you know, maybe I'll stick with Ford. Maybe I won't. But uh, there's nothing holding me to any particular dealership to um, say I'm going to go back to. Dealership X, and I'm going to get my oil changes and my tires changed there, um, because they're not staying in touch. They're not. They're not. They're, they. They're not doing anything other than treating it like a transaction.
0: Yeah, 100. percent
1: is crazy I, I, because over the course of my lifetime and in my business, I buy literally buy dozens of vehicles. We own 20 or 30 or whatever trucks and um, uh, and various vehicles, and so I buy a lot of vehicles. Um, and have and my team does our team does, but ultimately I got to rate the checks for them and I could decide, Hey, I'm going to align myself with X, Y, Z, and we're going to buy from them. And, um, that's where my team would go get those vehicles. But, uh, but uh, no one, no one is actually trying to nurture that relationship, which is worth millions really over, particularly over, over my lifetime, the number of vehicles that I'll buy is worth millions.
0: Yeah, easily, and it and it's funny that you mentioned uh, um, you know uh, brand loyalty um, just for for that reason. Um, I experienced the exact same thing um, not that long ago. It was only it, it wasn't even that long ago, but um, my uh, my father always held. It, and it, actually, it's funny because you mentioned uh, you mentioned drills earlier in the conversation, yeah. and his loyalty with tools has always been as always for as long as I can possibly remember going into uh, the tool shed. Going into a garage and it was just a wall of yellow. It was all DeWalt. He would not buy a Milwaukee. He would not buy anything else. And so, sure enough, uh, the last time that I moved, I was looking to get a new set of tools, new set of power tools. I go to Lowe's and what's uh, or I go to Home Depot. Sorry, and what's the first thing I gravitate towards? I get myself a set of DeWalt tools because it's just what I've always seen. So and yeah, it's it's the exact same with people with vehicles. In yeah, uh, and
1: so you know what what that means is you had a pre-existing. Familiarity with Dewalt that no one influenced other than your dad, right? Yeah. But you know that means everyone at Milwaukee and everyone at Makita and everyone at Black and Decker failed to attract, nurture, and make it easy for you to buy their product.
0: Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, Yeah. We all,
1: you know, my uh, uh, one of my friends is a uh, he's a former. Uh, He owns a negotiation business called Black Swan, and he's a former FBI hostage negotiator. His name is Chris Voss. He wrote a great book called Never Split the Difference. And, um, you know, we have this fallacy that says um, under pressure, um, we, you know, people will rise to the occasion. And, uh, And what Chris has found is that no one rises to the occasion people fall to the level of their highest preparation. Think about that.
0: Yeah. I, and I mean, like so many of these concepts that can be applied and people don't, I, I think they, I think that's the other thing was people don't realize how much all these concepts apply to every single aspect of their lives. Cause people, again, like you said, like to buy things, people purchase a lot of things.
1: Well, and we're all very habitual, right? I mean, yeah. you know, we have, you know, we have this set of senses between sight and smell and taste and hearing and touch that literally, um, our brains would, would not be, cannot process all the information that comes in every second. And so, you know, we've got this little, um, this little mechanism in, in the uh, back of our brain called the reticular activator system that filters out all the noise and helps us focus on something that matters. And so it's important for us as business owners and marketing people and sales people to understand that all of our customers today, we get something like 7,500 different digital messages a day. We're not even aware of 99% of them, but it happens all the time. Every time you open up a web browser, open up your email, open up some social media, you're getting messages. Your, your reticular activator system filters out 99% of those 7,500 messages, and and it, it it it, it it focuses in on the things you're familiar with, and you bought that Dewalt system because you're familiar with it, because no one else got your attention beforehand.
0: Oh, exactly. Um, and with that as well, I mean, you're mentioning the the one cohesive uh, journey throughout it, but of course, um, throughout the marketing and the selling and the uh, purchasing process, but of course. It doesn't stop there um, when we come into profit activator number six, which is to provide after sale service, even after you've already been paid, which to some, unfortunately may seem counterintuitive. You know, you've already been paid. The work's already been done. What uh, what more is there to do? Um, so can you tell us a bit more about uh, what you mean by continuing the after sale service, even after payment has been made and the work's been done? Uh, do you
1: ever eat a cake without icing, and but you expected the icing?
0: Yeah, I'm sure.
1: Right. Well, uh, You know, you have the old uh, saying of a cherry on top. Yeah. Well, the problem with most businesses is we're so focused on delivery. Well, and we're so focused on win it and deliver it, win it and deliver it, win it and deliver it. We don't, you know, I think a lot of businesses are right in the middle in that dooring unit of maybe... They don't really do profit activator number four and trying to make offers to make it easy to work with you. There's a lot of get on the bid list and then win the bids, negotiate the bids, execute according to the bid, manage the contract, manage the execution according to the bidding, um, and then move on and try to do it again. And so most most places, particularly in the industrial and commercial space, live in profit activator number four and five, and that's it, right? And they don't think about all the other things that they should be doing to grow and nurture their relationships with their customers. Well, after sale service, profit act number six is giving them what they don't expect. It's about enhancing the relationship and enhancing the experience. It might be coming back three days later, after everything is said and done, three weeks later, and saying, hey. I'd like to, you know, have a conversation to do a debrief on how this all went for you so that we can get better. And I'd like to learn from you. It might be sending them a thank you card. It might be um, going through sharing with them your observations on how things we could do things better next time to make the project even better. It's follow-up. It's, And not follow up. I mean, most of us follow up so we can get paid. Most of us follow up to close out the contract. I mean, it's all very bureaucratic and corporate, but I mean, how many of us go back to our client and say, thank you. And by the way, here's something extra, some extra value. I mean, you know, we are human and, you know, you know, you know, my, one of my coaches, Dan Sullivan says, you know, you want to be successful. He says, say, please. And thank you. Show up on time <laughs> um, and um, and be reliable and count, do what you said you could, what you were going to do. So, at, you know, profit activator number six is determining in your business, when you're done the job, what are the things you're going to do that are unexpected and valuable. I mean, I, I, in my sales book, I talk about what is different than valuable. Now what I'm talking about is what is unexpected and valuable. And, and you know, we do something in our business called the experience transformer, which is we really genuinely want to understand how we did. Um, Did we meet your expectations? what worked well, what didn't, what could we improve? What are the actions we should take out of that? Now people call that a lessons learned, but you know, in a lot of places, the lessons learned process is a bureaucratic process to say you did it. We want to transform the experience and implement it in so that the relationship and the way we deliver keeps getting better and better. We actually ask our customers how we did, you know, we, you know every every single job that we do, every single one of the customers who is involved gets a post job survey because we genuinely want them to rate us. But here's something that's different. You know, you know, I think human nature. You know, we can be cynical and we can think about, um, well, no one's perfect. You can always. better absolutely that's what the experience transformers for but we survey people very specifically to say we set an expectation of how we do business we got alignment with what everyone cares about we defined what success looks like before we started we executed according to that based on the expectations that we all agreed on how did we do you know and if if we did everything that we all agreed we would do we want to get a nine or a 10 from, um, from a net promoter score or the likelihood that you would, would refer us. And we want to do something called an experience transformer conversation so that not even if we did great, yes, we did great. We did everything that we set, but there's always learnings. There's always learnings in a project of how you can get better. And so, uh, that after-sale service is is about continuing the project um, from a learning standpoint, from a measurement standpoint, and from a thank you standpoint to continue on with um, the relationship and and not, not to let them think, not to let them feel that it was a transaction. Because right. it's no. not. Because for us, it's not. And for customers who want to have lifelong, <clears throat> lifelong relationships with their customers, then no piece of business should ever be considered a transaction. Because if you think about your client, and I prefer the word client rather than customer, because I just think it speaks to a relationship. Um, but if you think about your client as a lifelong client, then their value to you and your business is not the transaction. It's many multiples more than that.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and you mentioned it earlier and you just mentioned it again about uh, building the relationship and working towards these, uh, these life, these lifetime uh, relationships, which segues really well into um, profit activator number seven, which is to nurture uh, lifetime relationships and focus on, lifetime value, not just looking for that single transaction that one time, but building a partnership and building a relationship for an entire lifetime. Um, can you tell us a little bit more, a little bit more in depth about the importance of uh, doing this and what uh, positive effects it can have on both sides of the uh, relationship?
1: No, yeah, well, I think, you know, there's a bunch of different things that you can and should be doing in this area. Um, Cause this is about, you know, they're not buying from you right now, but they will buy from you again. And it might not be today. They, you know, they, you know, the customer, the client, well, the prospect at the very beginning goes from a, they're a not now, customer, right, and then they become a now, client, and then when the project is over, they're once again a not now client, but they're a client, and a client, you can be educating them and nurturing them on how you can help them. More, you can. First off, I, I think profit activator number seven, profit activator number seven, starts in your own mind and with your own people with a change in mindset, and the change in mindset is understanding and quantifying the life time value of that client, and so it, it doesn't matter if they just spent five hundred dollars with you on a valve injection or on renting a few blinds but if your clients work with you for 10 years and the average value of those clients is in the thousands of dollars per year then then you should think about all of your clients as you know as six figure seven figure clients over your lifetime and So that's the first thing that everyone needs to think about throughout that whole process is your client is not, it's not a $5,000 sale. It's a 20-year client that might do $55,000 sales with you over that period of time. And so if if you think about the relationship that way, it changes the way that you think about all of your clients. It changes the way that you care for them, changes the way that you communicate with them, um, you know what I want for my clients is one, you know, my purpose, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, but my purpose in my life is to be helpful, to be helpful to my clients, to help them solve things, to be a resource and to help them think, potentially be a resource of new ways of thinking about how they can solve problems. Because in my space, I do a lot of research and a lot of RD about. New ways to do things that my clients shouldn't have to do that research because they're bringing. I'm their who for that expertise, and so how do you invest in that client in terms of providing new value, in education in in meetings, and understanding what they're trying to accomplish? Um, these are, you know, in in a traditional sense, it's about defining what you know what some people would define as account based management of understanding where you're going to make investments with your client. Maybe you're going to come in and provide them with with training opportunities. Maybe it's going to be with educational opportunities. Maybe it's going to be collaboratively thinking about what's the next thing that they need help with. That could be a year down the road and creating that relationship of future value and being genuine about it—that it isn't about hey, how do I get my next sale? It's about I'm making investments here because I'm investing in this relationship long term.
0: Yeah, it, it's an incredibly valuable thing that I think that most people um, completely miss out on in their business. It's not uh, you know you you complete the, the the one job and then it's okay. Got to think about trying to get the next one with them. But what if you didn't have to think about that? What if you just knew that the next time they need something. That's who they're calling. And there's no having to struggle for it anymore. It's just, you you both have this mutual, again, lifetime relationship, lifelong relationship of they have a problem. And like you said, you're here to be helpful. You're here to solve their problem. Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, in in this profit activator, this is the one where you're trying to elevate you and your business to the highest level on the value pyramid or something that I call the, uh, the insight provider, the advisor, or the strategic partner. So um, on my value pyramid, it's it's the top of that pyramid. It's the strategic partner. It's the competition-free zone because you are seen as a trusted advisor on the things that they know that you can help them with. And, and that means you're making investments in bringing insight, in bringing education, in bringing... Um, resources and thinking um to the relationship that has nothing to do with the near term by now kind of mindset and but it but it does come into the frame of understanding the life time value of that client i mean there are you know there are some clients that we work with that only need us once every five years because they you know they're in a Maybe in a different market, um, but recognizing the lifetime value of your client and then making and in, making intentional investments with with those clients to make it valuable for them is is what is what profit activator number seven is all about.
0: And going another step past that um, to be able to um, continue on these lifetime relationships um, to then utilize that again for another piece or for another uh, valuable piece for the business uh, with profit activator, number eight, the final one to orchestrate referrals by giving your clients the opportunity to feel great. Can you tell us a bit more about what exactly uh, both goes into that and why the benefits are so massive to be doing this?
1: Yeah. Referrals is an interesting thing. Um Everyone wants them, no one knows how to get them, and everyone's afraid to ask for them. <laughs> um, and, and, and the reason is because the mindset that businesses have about referrals is totally wrong psychology-wise. So salespeople, business owners are, you know, re- are reluctant, resistant, afraid to ask for a referral. Why? Because they think they're asking for a favor. See, if, if you ask someone, hey, could you refer me to some people, it feels awkward. It does, right? Hey, can I, you, you tell me, you know, tell me the name, and it's like network marketing, right? Tell me the names of 80 of your family so I can go harass them. Um, you know, so it's perceived wrong. We're not asking for a favor in referrals. and we need, We're not trying to make ourselves, you know, make ourselves feel indebted to our customer totally wrong way to think about referrals if you in um in 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 profit activators number six and seven have actually proven that you've given them a great experience that you've delivered on what you promised if they gave you a net promoter score of a nine or ten then then they have already self-identified that they are open to and likely to tell uh, colleagues and friends about you so they've already identified the people that you should be asking for referrals on are the ones that you've already given a dream come true experience they have said you did great I, you know from a net promoter score standpoint you're they've they've confirmed that you did great, that they are likely a likely candidate to, to uh, refer or to uh, promote you. But you gotta make it easy for them to do so. Most people don't know how, and the mindset shift is this, people don't give referrals to help you or to make you feel good. People give referrals to make themselves feel good. Now imagine um, if you and I were meeting today, and you said to me, um, now "I'm going out to dinner this weekend with my girlfriend, and I, you know, and I really don't know where to take her, um, uh, you know, but she really loves Italian food, and I don't really know any great Italian restaurants." Now you know. I happen to love Sorrentino's. My wife and I go there and it's a really great experience. They're a great place, a great uh, restaurant. And, you know, they have, my wife eats gluten-free. They've got some great uh, gluten-free options. Um, They've got a lot of great food. That's my perspective. Um, I'm not telling you that to help Sorrentino's. I'm not even telling you that to help you. I'm telling you that so i can feel good about being helpful to you not to be helpful to the restaurant so we give referrals as humans to feel good about ourselves and to help the person that we're referring not the uh, to, to given the referral to not for we're not we're not we're not doing it to help the restaurant i'm doing it to help you wyatt and so you know, the, 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 the process of a referral is about, I want to feel good about myself because I'm helping my friend, not because I'm helping my supplier. And so how do you facilitate that? So how do you provide, make it easy for people to feel good? Well, one, you, you help them, uh, you help your customer understand how to identify when someone is referable. Hey, whenever you see someone who has a leak that is similar to what I I just helped you with, you know, it'd be great if you could, you know, here's here's exactly how you can help them by introducing us, um, and you know, and, and make make them feel good. I mean, a really great way of um, of doing a uh, making people feel great, which is which may feel counterintuitive. You know, a lot of a lot of companies will say, "Hey, if you refer me, I'll give you a you know a 10% discount." So that you know you're making it about me getting a reward for referring you. Well, what if you flip the script on that and you say, "Hey, when you see someone who you know who needs what I offer, here are here are five $10 gift certificates that you can give to them." Imagine if. Instead of Sorrentinos rewarding me with points if I referred you, imagine if Sorrentinos gave me a $10 gift certificate to give to Wyatt. All of a sudden, I feel good about referring, and you feel good about referring, and Sorrentinos is the benefit. And so, when you, you know, I think in, in most businesses, ask for testimonials and ask for referrals in the wrong way because they don't understand the psychology of why people give referrals to begin with because they don't give referrals to be helpful to the business. They give referrals to be, to feel good about themselves. Because, you know, if I know a great restaurant, I feel like I'm in the know if, and if I'm then handing that little piece of wisdom to this or oh, this is a great place to eat to my friend Wyatt well then I'm being helpful to Wyatt and I feel good about myself because I just helped Wyatt you know guarantee that he's going to have a great experience and that's how referrals work and that's why so many companies and so many business owners and so many um and so many salespeople, suck at referrals because they they think they're asking for a favor
0: I absolutely love that perspective on things. Um, I think that's the, the, the perfect way to uh, sum that up in the way that they should work. Um, making yourself, well, really making yourself the good guy in the situation to not help the business, but to help uh, the person yeah, the, you're talking the, to and to help yourself.
1: Yeah, the, the person, whenever, when a referral happens, the person giving the referral is trying to help the referee, not the person being referred.
0: Yeah, right?
1: absolutely. All of the exchange in value in a referral is between you and I, not between me and the restaurant, or between you and the restaurant, right? It's between you and I, I have a valuable piece of information. I feel certain and comfortable about it. You have a need, and now I'm the one being helpful to you. And that, if you think about a referral that way, then you need to change the way that you ask for referrals. You need to actually empower your best customers to be able to effectively act as your advocate so they feel good about themselves and that they can pass on the good value that you gave them to somebody else. You know, we always feel great. I mean, you think about any time you don't refer a crappy restaurant to a friend, right? But you do happily refer great places and great experiences to a friend not because of the 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 business that you're referring because it empowers you as a person who's given the referral so how do you make them feel good well one you got to give them a great experience and two help them make them feel even i mean a a great idea would be just to give your customers um gift certificates that they can give to their friends for referrals but that that, that where we're the the person who benefits is the person who is being referred not the ref, not and nobody else because imagine if i could give you 50 dollars to go to sorrentino's i would feel awesome about that sure. particularly if i can't use it for myself but i can only use it if i give it to somebody else imagine the the the, the goodwill that that creates between the person referring and the person being referred and at the end of the day, you walk into Sorrentino's, go, man, this is awesome. a Great restaurant. And I got some savings. This is fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, the, I mean, the same principle can be applied to most businesses, but I experienced that exact thing that you're talking about um, with, um, uh, I'll just say the company with, with, with HelloFresh, the people that deliver food, percent. Yeah, for, for they uh, go to their people, they go to their uh clients who have been with them for at least three months and they send them four little cards that say, um, $40 off. It's not for you, but you can give this to someone and give them $40 off. Um, and say, you know, their, their average uh, subscription length of say five months with that, um, hundred bucks a month or so, or hundred bucks a week or so you're looking at about two grand because they spent 160 on giving those referrals. They brought in an extra $5,000 from it because those people signed up. It's, yeah I, I well interpret- and, you know
1: and, and and just to be clear you know a lot of companies get this wrong on all fronts you know how many of us have been given some silly um, 10% off your next purchase kind of thing yeah. well you know well you know on face value go oh i'm going to save 10% well no you don't save anything unless you buy again yeah. Right. And so it diminishes the value. The minute you say I'm going to give you 10% off the next purchase, it is it is it is actually creating a conflict in you saying, Well, I can only get that, that's less valuable to me because the only way I get that 10% is if I spend another hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars, whatever it is. Well, psychologically and and true meaning, you know. If I, if I handed you a 10% off Sorrentino's card, you, it probably would go in your cupboard and maybe eventually end up in the recycling bin, right? If I handed you a gift certificate that says $10, $10 cash value, $50 cash value at Sorrentino's, does that feel different? Yeah. Yeah, right? Or, you know, a free dessert, period. It's just free. No. no purchase required.
0: It's a, it's a, it's a mindset shift. It's, it's um... a
1: total mindset shift because the minute that you remove some percentage and you just give value, it now is perceived the same as cash. The same, it, Our brains say this is true value. It's not conditional value. Right. And so, you know, you want to get referrals, tell people how to look for people just like them, Arm them with something that is of value and say when you refer if you ever want to refer any of your friends, give them this hundred dollars off your next inspection and no uh, unconditional, right? And you know what you want to make it even more valuable, custom print those cards saying that these you know these ten hundred dollar certificates, fifty dollar certificates are from Don Cooper to whoever I give them to, as opposed to from uh, Sorrentino's as some generic thing. Like you want to make a really wow experience with a referral hand, your customer custom printed refer tools that look like he is the one. She is the one giving that value to their friends and family. And you will get referrals all over the place. Simple.
0: Yeah. I, I love that method. That is as
1: long as you're, as long as you're referable, right? I mean, you right. this has got to be, you've already given them a dream come true experience. They've told you that they had a dream come true experience because they gave you uh, high scores on, on an assessment and through it, through whatever way you're going to debrief with them in their, in your after sales support. And then you say, whenever you're ready and you see someone who looks like you, who has that same issue, I want to help you, you know, be a hero to them. Here's five $50 gift certificates that are from you to them, you know, and give them out to whoever you want, whenever you want. And uh, we'll make sure we take care of them the same way, same way we took care of you.
0: Yeah, I love it. That is, that is fantastic. And, and,
1: uh, and, in, and in doing that, you create yourself an army of, of advocates.
0: Yeah, that is an extremely powerful thing that, that even surpasses um, regular marketing efforts from the company when you have your clients marketing for you directly.
1: Yeah. But they're only doing it because you gave them a great experience and they're going to do it because they want to feel good with the referral, right? I feel good when I refer you to Sorrentinos. Why? Not because Sorrentinos asked me to do it, but because I I truly believe that it's a great experience. I've never had a bad meal there, I've never had bad service there, and their food is great and they treat my wife great, they treat my kids great, they give me what I want. I mean it's just generally a, a great experience and you know and and I I would refer them even if they didn't arm me with five certificates, which they don't. But if they did, they'd probably get that many more people because I would hand them to you and I would hand them to Mallory and I would hand them to people on our team saying, look, just just go to Sorrentino's in, in Stony Plain because we, we just love that place.
0: Oh, perfectly fair. Um, and with that, we have now covered all eight of the profit activators. Um, we've gone through each of them. So with that, is there are there any other... Uh, closing thoughts that you'd like to say to anyone who um, that might be uh, why this might be helpful, why they should be uh, rushing out to uh, download this book and read it and start to follow these eight profit activators.
1: Well, it works and, and it it's fun and it, it gives you a roadmap. You know, most of us in our businesses, um, you know, traditional marketing and almost everyone listening is going to have some marketing team who is, pushing your brand and not thinking about your target audiences and not thinking about education-based marketing, not thinking about aligning sales and marketing with operations and what the after-sales support is. This gives you that roadmap. However, um, you know, a lot of this is not what you do in your business, right? You don't, you know, if you're an inspection company or a construction company, um, a lot of the time you want to focus on being awesome at what you do. And so um, any aspect of this, um, you can find the right people to do it. You can find the right who's who have these hows. And that's, that's, that's what we do at Amplifier is we, we help coach and execute the a-profit activators for companies who want to transform the way that their their clients journey through their business from a marketing, messaging, delivering, and creating lifetime value um, standpoint. So, um, you know, if you want help um, with any any parts of the A Profit Activators, if you want to take care of some of these things yourself, but want to have someone else do it for you, we've got a program called Marketing Done for You, which, um, which helps you with Profit Activators numbers one, two, and three. We just simply take care of it for you in your voice uh, through a really simple process where we interview you on camera, on podcasts, and and then we and our team take care of it in the background to take care of Profit Activators numbers one, two, and three. Uh, Our sales solution methodology helps you take care of profit activator number four and our 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 coaching services and our app development services help you take care of all of the other uh after unit parts of the process so you know you can and what's wonderful about the a profit activators is you can pick the parts of this that you want to do yourself and then you can also pick the parts that you want help with and Um, Whenever you're ready and you want help with any of the profit activators, um, we're here to help.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much again for answering all of my questions today. Um, Of course, all of the links to download uh, the book, uh, view our videos on it, um, as well as download the associated scorecard will all be in the show notes. They'll all be in the description. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much again, Don.
1: My pleasure, Wyatt. Thank you very much for the uh, conversation today.
0: And there you have it. Thank you so much everybody for listening to this episode of The Amplifier Podcast. Once again, if you would like to get your own free copy of Breakthrough DNA, The Industrial Code, then you can do so at any time by going to theindustrialcode.com, but please make sure you also subscribe so you never miss any episodes in the future, and if you would be so kind as to leave this show a five-star rating, it would be very much appreciated. But with all that said, I thank you all so much again for listening to this episode of The Amplifier Podcast, and we cannot wait to see you next time.